Waywards. Uh, welcome back to our second episode. This is Ashley Williams. I am a production design student. Um, getting ready to get ready for grad school, things like that. So hopefully quarantine mm-hmm. is doing you all very well. Hello, everyone. My name is Jakini, and I am a recent graduate of The Ohio State University, wherein I received my bachelor's in political science and African-American studies. And in the fall, I will be headed off to law school. I, too, hope that quarantine is treating you all very well. Hi, my name is Imani Cooper-Williams, and I am the... Uh, CEO of Shark Week Survival Kit LLC. I am an actor and I am a princess, a Disney princess. Um, and that's what I do. And I hope that you all are well. What's up, y'all? My name is Darian Holtz, um, also known as D Hope. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. I'm with Alcorn State University, one of the best HBCUs in the land. Just being 100, um, I had a I got my bachelor's in biology, currently working on my master's at Jackson State University. I'm getting my MPH and yeah, straight from Mississippi. That's me. What's up? So today we are going to talk about um, self-destructive hyper-masculinity in the Black community and specifically how it affects young Black men growing up. Um, and Jack, Jackini has some information for us. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's get started. So where did hypermasculinity begin? First, we have to define what it is. Gender as we know it is a construct, a socially defined role attributed to, in this case, males. Hypermasculinity is specifically the overexpression of uh, these defined roles, a self-destructive display, as Imani said. Now, I would argue that masculinity and hypermasculinity are learned behaviors. However, anything that is learned can be unlearned. And I believe that a part of that unlearning takes place at the level that we're on now uh, through critical dialogue and identity-based discourse. Masculinity and gender roles start at birth. In some cases, even before that, very implicit. It's the blue blanket or the fire truck or the doctor excitedly exclaiming, it's a boy. That's simply masculinity. Hypermasculinity is a bit more extreme. It's the need to oblige by these roles and to do so in a very aggressive way. So it's not just pink is a girl color. It's the color pink makes you a sissy. It's not mm-hmm. maybe liking a girl or trying to get her number. It's getting her number and her friend's numbers and her friend's friend's numbers in an attempt to prove your manliness. Now, we are talking about masculinity and hypermasculinity at the intersection. We are not just talking about men. We are situating our discussion along the multi-praxis landscape that is gender and race. Our discussion focuses on Black men primarily. So if we're going to talk about Black men, I think history is very important in this conversation. So where do we begin? the colonization of the continent of Africa and the enslavement of black bodies. The early forerunners of colonization were, wait for it, Christian missionaries. By the middle of the 19th century, you had missionaries from all the major denominations who were looking to convert Africans to Christianity. 
One of the most famous missionaries was a man named David Livingston. Livingston was a Scottish Congregationalist who was first sent to South Africa in 1841. He established as a church and a mission school. And by way of American history, Livingston was pretty successful. In the 1850s, he moves his operation to Central Africa and wanted to bring the three C's, Christianity, commerce, and civilization. Carl Peters is one of Livingston's followers. He was a social Darwinist. He believed Africa to be very unique because there were no laws on the continent that white men had to respect. He traveled throughout the continent and realizes he could commit all manner of crimes with impunity. He raped hundreds of women, black women, and destroyed entire communities. He even had a saying for his white accomplices, haven't you shot a Negro yet? Now you're probably thinking, what in the hell does this have to do with hypermasculinity? has everything to do with it. Christianity and blackness exist somewhat along enemy lines. Christians, of course, use the Bible to justify the subordination of black bodies through the Hamitic curse. Frederick Douglass wrote in his autobiography that the Christian slave master was perhaps one of the worst ones. He details the wits and lashes he received at the hands of his master who embraced Christianity and encouraged the Christianization of his slaves, even though he forbade them for, from gathering or actually reading the Bible. Uh, I argue that hypermasculinity is rooted in the extreme internalization of Abrahamic faith systems. It wasn't enough to glance at the Bible and recognize sin. That sin had to be met with an array of whips and lashes. It was an aggressive display of Christianity. When black people arrived in this country, some chose to convert to Christianity. Some practiced Islam, some continued to practice traditional African faith systems, but it was forced, it was the forced conversions that transgressed transgressed into a much more violent approach to Christianity. I am uh, a product of the Black church. I was born and raised in the Church of God in Christ. And from what I can recall, it was never enough to call a metrosexual a man. He would be referred to as a sissy or a fag or a girl. Some churches wouldn't even let gay men enter. And in the event that a gay man held a position in the choir or on the usher board, he faced a punishment whereby he would be immediately removed. In fact, there's this Christian cliche that I've heard passed around at several churches, love the sinner, hate the sin. I argue against that. I will go as far as to say that's not even biblical because I believe that instead of always preaching the condemning hand of God, it's equally important to emphasize the abounding love of Jesus. Some of the people we try so hard to keep away from God are the people he wants. Righteous people don't need a savior. If churches are filled to the brim with perfect people, then what's the point of a savior who died for the imperfect ones? Churches have become monasteries, a habitat for people living under strict religious law. The God I know, the savior I serve, the church I dream of attending, it's not a monastery, it's a hospital. And the church, the black church, makes it hard to be honest about the areas where it's lacking. We equate honesty to weakness, but really, honesty is integrity. And if we're being honest, then I would also argue that the Black church ridicules the LGBTQ community while serving as a safe haven for pedophiles and rapists and adulterers. But, you know, I guess we can talk about that on a different day or, you know, at a different time, whatever, whatever. Fast forward to the beginning of the 20th century, and we have the presidency of Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson, in my personal opinion, was perhaps one of the most violently racist presidents in American history. So while we're on the topic of masculinization, I think it's just as important that we talk about the monsterization of Black men. The Birth of a Nation was an American film released in 1915. 
it depicts the black man as nothing more than a social menace who is destructive and animalistic and insatiated by the criminal savagery of raping white women and the celebration of seeing that black man hung by his throat to put an end to the violent intermixing of the white and black races. Woodrow Wilson would have special White House screenings. He would invite uh, all of DC. And he said, and I quote, it's like writing history with lightning. My only regret is that it is also terribly true. So I argue that the masculinization of black men also led to the monsterization of black men. Hypermasculinity is dangerous. And that's why it needs to be unlearned because if history is truly cyclical in nature, then black bodies will continue to suffer at the hands of a mere social construct. Now, onto a hot topic, right? So ESPN recently aired The Last Dance highlighting the contributions of Michael Jordan. Well, Dennis Rodman had to be added to the conversation, of course, an incredible defensive player in his career, but a carefree and very secure individual, might I add, in his personal life. A video resurfaced online of Oprah Winfrey trying to interrogate Dennis Rodman on his sexuality. I saw a tweet that said white women loved Oprah way too much for us not to notice that she was part of the problem. In this clip, it's okay, right? So, so in this clip, she asks Dennis Rodman at least, at least five times within a 60 second interval if he's gay. And after he repeatedly says no, she proceeds to ask if he's bi. She asks if he slept with a man. Uh, she even calls him bold <laughs> for talking in a book that he wrote about men actively pursuing him. Shame on you, Oprah. Uh, so Dennis Rodman, though, okay, so here's the thing. Dennis Rodman says something really, really important. He said that we've all flirted with the idea of our sexuality, even the hyper-masculine ones. You know how it goes. Oh, it's disgusting, right? They'll tell you that's what they say, right? Well. Disgust is one of the seven universal emotions. Emotions demand to be felt in the inner spaces of our minds. So in order to be disgusted by something, that means you had to have thought about it at least once. So Dennis Rodman was right. As disgusted as the hypermasculine male is by the sight of two men kissing and touching, even, um, you know, even the hypermasculine male had to flirt with the idea of it in order to deem it disgusting. So I say, you know, leave the LGBTQ community alone and perhaps do some introspection. Figure out what works for you. And just because something does it, doesn't work for you does not mean you have to ridicule it. Um, maybe Boosie Badass can take his own advice. He says, <laughs> he says, leave me alone. I ain't about no trouble, but I could be. Mm -hmm. And that's that. <laughs> And then I actually have the clip um, of the Dennis Rodman um, interview. If we'd like to share it now, now a good time. Go ahead. Hey. All right, let her let her go. Okay, can we all see? Even I'm gay. Is it showing up? Yeah. Yeah, it's showing up. All right. Okay, oh, the next question comes up here. No, I'm not Are gay. You, you're not gay. No. Now, you did say earlier that when you were a little boy, we're looking at that little picture of your little ears spread on there, that you were worried <laughs> that you were worried about your own your sense of sexuality growing up in a house with all females. It's, it's, I, think, I think that that's a true statement on my part because, you know, I, I was very scared to be around guys and boys. Little boys. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I would fit in because I was so shy and... and and to myself, so. But you are not gay. You're saying that you are not gay. Oh, no, and if you were gay, I believe you would tell me. I think so. I think so. <laughs> so, 
Are you bisexual? No. You're not bisexual? No. You do say in the, well, you don't have to applaud or not applaud, but you do say in the, you do say in this book, you say that maybe in your mind you are. Yeah. What does that mean? I can float with the idea. You can float with the idea. I can float with, float with it, however you want to look at it. I can do anything I want. Uh -huh. Yeah. That means I'm going to go out and act and do it. I uh -huh. think a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of people can say to you, a lot of people say, well, I can never be with a man. You know, a lot of guys can say, I can never be with a man. Yeah. I can you say, you, you thought about it. For you to say, you I can cannot. You think thought about it? Of course. Of course. I mean, if you sit up there, if I ask one of these guys here, you like to be with a man? No, no, that's just disgusting. <laughs> that's just disgusting. How do you know it's disgusting? How uh -huh. do you know it's disgusting? Uh-huh. You don't know. You don't know. I mean, I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to go out there and try it. But I'm just saying that you don't know. Okay, so, Dennis, I mean, the obvious question is, and I, you know, I, I have to ask it because you just laid the door open. So have you, you've been, you, have you been with a man? No. You have not been with a man? No. I mean, so all of this, you flirted with it, you think about it, you think you might be in your mind, and yet you say, too, that men and women are offering themselves to you all the time. Yeah. He says that. Yeah. When I tell you, bowl, honey, bowl. Yeah. Um, men and women are offering themselves to you all the time, and yet you still haven't. Well, I haven't. You know, I can't lie to I haven't kissed a man on the lips. Mm -hmm. But if you look, you go back, and if you have a son, a little boy, how many times you kiss him on the lips when he's a little kid? I'm not talking about that. I'm just understanding. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not talking about that. I'm not kissing him on the lips. I'm talking I'm about a big saying. old grown Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Mm -mm. I just, I don't, I don't see how we can really, like, I guess, it's, I guess to me, it doesn't really make sense how we're always telling like our kids and our young men to be able to express themselves and say who they are and really love who they are when things like that happen you get what i'm saying like mm. it's i feel like that's a big point towards hyper masculinity because it's like you're pretty much telling like a person oh don't don't say who you are don't do none of that so it kind of forces people i'm not saying like hyper masculinity is something that people have to do i'm saying that like it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't get that. Like we're telling them to be true to you, show who you are. But at the same time, it's like, no, like you need to make sure you're focused on this, focused on like, oh, talking to this many girls. I've seen grown men tell their sons, oh, how many, coming home, I've literally heard people say, how many girlfriends you got? What? It's, it's also, I mean, I think that there's, there also goes hand in hand with the idea of um, telling someone to be themselves but within the boundaries of what the people around them expect which does not actually allow i mean how how can you paint your own picture within lines you know you're just drawing in it's like drawing in a picture in a book so i mean there's and that that also allows a lot of young black men well this it doesn't allow a lot of young black men to discover who they are and that I feel like that goes that kind of leads down a path of thinking that you have to be what society tells you you are like you can't be anything outside of that because thinking outside of that takes away so that's why so many guys that's why so many like young black men are like oh well this is the only option I have you like they're never like oh well I can be anything I want it's just I can be this and within these bounds and within these lines, which, well, yeah. 
I mean, we live in a generation now where it's, it's so different. Everything is a lot more acceptable. But I mean, you think about growing up, let's talk about like hip hop music. I feel like hip hop music play a huge role in it. You think about growing up in the 90s, what the rappers talked about, you know, the men and women, you know, how many, everybody was rapping about being a pimp, how many women you had, how hard you were, how much you you had, but now let's think, let's fast forward to now. You got people like Young Thug. Young Thug out here dressing and, I mean, he, he wearing dresses and stuff and, you know, people want to question him, but now it's more accepting compared to, you know, back then. So I feel like, you know, overall it's like, as a man, you, I don't think people like being questioned about their masculinity, but we live in a society where it's a lot different compared to, you know, in the day, like they were more sheltered. They were more undercover. Now, you know, it is what it is. But I don't, I don't think a lot of people, I don't think people really like being judged. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to straighten themselves a little bit more. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. I can understand that. Like, it makes sense to where people are kind of just like, okay, well, I'm going to keep, I'm, I'm going to be over the top. I feel like hypermasculinity, in my opinion, just people being over the top about their sexuality so that people won't question. Yeah, like overthinking it. Like, I don't, like, I've never understood the point of people, like, walking up to a table and asking multiple people at the table for their phone number. I think that's excessive. I feel like you're trying to show off and show that you the man, but it's, like, it's not, that's not the point that's getting across. Like, it's just showing you. Even, like, the hollering from car windows, like, what's that, what is that going to do? I don't, I I would never approve that. I I don't, I don't understand that concept. You up, like, from a car, like, like that, I've never understood. I've never understood. Ain't no real look. First of all, ain't no real man coming in no female like that. You know, you if you if you really got some true game about yourself, you not a. That's not how you approach any woman. You you she ain't no little call no who do who like you don't work like that. Like now, nah, if you really want to approach a woman, approach her the right way. You know, introduce yourself or just a conversation, what? but. She ain't she ain't no dog. Or you, like we don't they don't react to sound effects. It don't it don't work like that. I, I never under, I never understood that concept. Right. I don't like that. But, hey. right. but see, I think that another thing is now when people when guys with their friends they try to impress. So if you with a group of guys, like that's almost you know that's you you with the wolf pack. So it's like you know it's for y'all. There go one female. And like, why? I, they why are men mode. so predatory though? You know, like why? Why is it a wolf pack instead of something that, you know? I feel like that that idea of masculinity around each other being a wolf pack creates a predatory feeling. Because I know I'm scared of any. That's how it feels. That's how it feels when you walk past a group of men. It is. So yeah. I hate that. I pepper spray. I'm ready to run. Like. It's not. And a the thing is, they could probably mean no harm. But the fact of the matter is that I can't tell in a group of 12 men who just finished playing basketball, like, and three of them are trying, trying to get my attention saying, hey, and then one of them slowly starts to, like, pace after me. Like, that's mm-hmm. scary. That's very, very scary. It's very but, uncomfortable. And then, and, then, and, then, and then you run away and, oh, you ugly anyway. Like, then what was the point? Well, see, if, if there's a group of guys, what you was saying? It's, it's kind of one of those moments where it was like, what was the point of, like, I've never understood dudes that will one minute be trying to talk to you in your face, just 
And the second you say no, I'm good, bitch, you was like, anyways, what? Well, uh, so and what I'm about to say, I mean, so you with a group of guys, it's 12 dudes hooping, whatever, and you know, it's, it's 12 dudes, and one girl walk, walk past. I mean, they all, you know, everybody triggered. They like, okay, they go to, they go to pray right there. You feel what I'm saying? I don't condone. I don't condone. Women is praying. I'm about. I'm about to. I'm about to go into what I'm saying though. But the thing is, you with twelve guys. That's when the hyper masculinity kick in. It's like, okay, I'm gonna be the one that's gonna get her out of everybody, and y'all all gonna see it. So if it's twelve dudes and it's one girl, that's where you know they get that ignorant concept. Like, okay, you know, some some people may approach you the right way, but you know, it's twelve dudes. Somebody, I'm like, I'm, I want to be the one to show my guys that I can pull her. So then, you know, if he goes through this shot or whatever, he get rejected. And if he's, if he's salty and you get to talk, you know, crazy, then, hey, you know, he embarrassed his pride hurt because right. it ain't work out how he wanted to and his boys just seem to get shot down. Right. So, but, I mean, everybody different. So everybody's friend group is different. You if you know, if you got the right people around you, like, they ain't, you know, you ain't got to worry about the issue because I don't want to be around nobody like they going, you know, I try to get at a female. I talk down on it, and they gonna approve their message. Like, mm -mm, like I tell my homeboy, like, Bro, okay, so I have a question. Yeah. yeah. All right, and and this actually plays into. So I just finished watching Twilight. For starters, have any of y'all ever seen Twilight? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll okay. See. So you know the guy James in the first movie who chases after Bella, right? Mm -hmm. He like has this like desire to to just track her right like he cannot be shut down by tracking her he develops this like very very weird obsession uh to where like he will do anything just to get at bella right because he smells her he develops this obsession right whatever whatever well this kind of leads to like where we are like that was literally so destructive that led to his downfall him needing to like chase her like being insatiated by the smell of her that he literally had to track her down now i know that that was twilight i know that that was sci-fi but i feel like that's not <laughs> in real life like yeah. just this obsession with a woman she turned you down so now you got to do whatever it is in your power to let her know that you're the dominant one that you got it you got the game and you self-destruct on the way there mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the dude. I have an example from my real life. This kid has literally been following me, met me once since I was 15, and I'm 21 now. And he is destroying himself, trying <laughs> to prove to himself that I want him, and I'm not telling him that. Okay, I if think, he's I think listening, you if listening <laughs> baby, let it go. Let it go. Let, let him know. Go. Let it go. Yes. And she so, and you know, and it's gotten to the point where he is so destroyed inside that he is abusing yeah. any woman that comes near him. Mm -mm. Because his pride is, is his masculinity and his pride is all that's connected to his sense of self-worth. Mm -mm. The devil is alive. We, mm -hmm. we Public service announcement. He hears this. I fight. Don't play with me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Let for him free. know. For free. For free. <laughs> These hands are free. <laughs> They're ready to eat for everybody. 
No, I just don't get that. Like, why are you, when it gets, I feel like when it gets to the point where you realize you're harassing somebody, you should really just be like, okay, let me stop. Like, I, I feel like your dominance does not need to be, like, put on somebody that does not want you. Like, I've literally had somebody that was stalking me. Like, stalking. Like, I have, I carry, like, knives in my car because, you know, I never know when I might have to, like, fix something or whether I might, like, I might be in danger. I literally had to have four knives in my front seat because I was being stalked. Like, it Okay, was so I have a question for D then. Yeah. Like, yeah, so what up? is it about the chase that makes men I mean, go to so... Everybody like, you know, a little challenge. Um, you know, um just Tupac said I don't it want it just that easy. Though. It be big challenges. Yeah, yeah well now see I, I said a little challenge. This you know, this is a little challenge now. What they on, that's 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 way above my comfort zone and anything that I will ever you know, I'm not with that. But I, I think some some niggas just can't handle reject rejection. Just keep it in one hundred. They can't handle the truth. Like you want me, you they want you to think you don't want me, but I know you want me. I'm gonna make you want me. I yeah. mean, you know, some of them. It, I mean, sometimes you know, some females may be playing hard to get, and you know, she may be on this pedestal. You like, man, I know I can get her. I feel like she just playing hard to get. So you know, I'm, I'm gonna keep pursuing her. And you got cases where like you know, hey, females, they may just be, you know, they don't, they wanna, they may wanna, you know, test test them out now the ones that's extra with it now that's a whole different level them they can't handle rejection and yeah they just want to be in a position where like hey i'm gonna prove you know that i'm i'm the prize here like that's what they want to prove but in reality they need to leave that alone i don't like i say it ain't if, if she don't want you leave it alone fellas like that's when that's when things get out of hand i me personally i've never understood why guys just get to that point with a female because that's just you know i mean no i mean it's, it's plenty of more females out there she don't want you hey brush it off my boy go on you know try with somebody else but try it at a level where it's not fucking crazy like you know okay approach okay, so her the right so, way so here's my next question then yeah for you so do you think that this is a natural human thing, or do you think that this is a toxic masculinity thing? That's because, toxic. No, that's that's toxic. But, but listen, so I say that because, like, I think, as, like, as a woman, like, we're naturally attracted to like the mean guy, like to the guy that don't want to. Okay, make okay. Let me stop. All right, I'm gonna stop. No, you. <laughs> Wait, you, you stop you attacking me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, is that a human thing, or is I that like, what is it? So what you were saying, like y'all attracted to the bad guy, like especially like in high school, you know, y'all want the the popular guy. Y'all don't want the guy that's really the good guy. Always lose it, saying like that's what it seemed like. This my man, a good guy, he won, he won. So I'm gonna just say okay, that. Okay, well that's good. Okay. But see, a lot of people don't figure that out till they older. Yeah, yeah, I figured out when I turned 22. But that's yeah, that's exactly. the there. so you know, like the good guy, he could have been there, but it's like you. Oh, I want the one that all the girls want. Like, I want the one he, this is what he got going on. He popular, he well known. You don't want the guy like, he got he got all the great qualities that he need, but he just, uh, you know, I, I ain't really, you're not fun enough. So can I piggyback off of um, what we just said regarding the bad guy? So yeah. I think that that, I, this just popped into my head, but I think that a lot of women have issues where they choose a man that is like their father and their father is the bad guy. Wait, my daddy's there. You ain't gonna have to call him out like that. 
Don't drag me. St- can y'all stop dragging me like this? You didn't have to do that, honey. Too, honey. You just grave. Okay, I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. But dang. <laughs> That's a cycle then because it's just constant toxic masculinity because our fathers are toxic and they pass it down to their sons. And then I just feel like you didn't have to call me out like that. That's what I'm saying. I've been first of all, you dragged me. They are triggered, ma'am. They are triggered. Something about that that just it's not sitting right with me, Ashley. I think it's okay. I I chose my dad and learned hard. I've talked to my dad twice, and I learned from my mistakes. I like white men now. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Okay, Karen. A black woman, they worship the ground she walks on. I'm so kidding. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. It is. I will make that sacrifice if it means I, I, I will, will be the your melanin. So, so you don't you don't want a brother? No, you you want the white man. You Brother, don't here's the thing. You Y'all want, want Daquan no more? What's you wrong with Daquan? What's wrong with Daquan? We don't have this conversation. I, What's wrong with Daquan? Daquan don't want me. Daquan don't know how to treat me. But Daquan has six other girls in his phone. Peter and Jack do. That's the issue. Not all of them. They be crazy too. They I may shoot up first. They're going to leave me alone. First of all, they can't handle y'all ass. So I think that's what it is. Y'all, so y'all, we, we talk about masculinity, feminine, whatever. Y'all, when it comes to the white man, this is y'all and this is them. They That's why they worship the feet, y'all feet, because they, they can't handle y'all. y'all maybe, yeah, you know. They just handle us and treat us well. Come on now. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Be problematic. Yes. Yes. Um, um, All right, I'm gonna um, stop though. I'm gonna stop celebrating because my man be listening to this podcast. He he's like he know we love him. Okay, he know. Yeah. That's crazy though. But no, like I really just accepted the fact that I don't know. Like I'm not really. I I never really search for a man. But if a white man appears on my doorstep, I will let him in the house. <laughs> I'm gonna let him in the door. You gonna say hello? I mean, I ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm, you know, I'll just talk. I ain't nothing wrong with it. You know, it, whatever's for you is gonna. I be think toxic masculinity know, presents itself in every single community in a different Plus. way. I yeah. think white Plus. men certainly have, you know, traces of toxic masculinity. Black men, Asian men. I think it's it's a universal trait. I think for us, it's you know more easily identifiable. Plus. Back to you know what Imani said, we see it in our fathers, we see it in our brothers. We can call it out at home first before yes. we even ever leave our doorstep before we ever get in a relationship. Well, and then let me ask y'all something then. All right, what's up? So how y'all feel about, you know, the, the black men? They were like, man, I don't want a black girl. I want a white girl because she, she, she's submissive to me. That's so You know, I ain't got to. Karen going to do what I say. Karen ain't going to give me no problems. Karen ain't going to go back and forth to me. Karen going to treat me right. And she's not going to argue back. See, that's the issue because it no longer be the police woman. You. It's the submissiveness <laughs> of the woman. That's the issue. That's what it is. So, you just want to overpower her. And when so, I'm not going to lie, I'm not attracted to black men who are only attracted to white women or who are only attracted to light skinned women. One of the things oh, that I love about I my love man, is that he doesn't just, you know, like, yes, I am a light skinned woman, but he does. He isn't only attracted to light skinned women like he believes that all black women are beautiful. And for me, 
a, a black man who is only attracted to white women or only attracted to light-skinned women, they are inherently and innately anti-black. And for me, if you say you're not interested in black women or you're interested you know, in white women because you can handle them, whatever, whatever, you wasn't going to get me anyway. And I'm not attracted to you no way. So honestly, mm-hmm. truly doesn't bother me. It doesn't you know, shatter my sense of self or my self-worth or my identity. I know who I am and I know that there are black women out there who love black women mm-hmm. and not just, you know, a, a particular archetype of, of black women. They love the black woman as in, you know, all of us. And so Amen. For me, it, it really doesn't bother me because I'm with a man who, you know, I know he doesn't just think that I'm beautiful. He thinks that all black women are beautiful, all shades of black women, all shapes of black women. That's something that I value. And I think that, you know, as women, um, like for me being a light skinned woman, like to date, Okay, so here's so here's a good example. Chris Brown, right? Chris Brown mm. has been famously called out for being a colorist, right? I can't yeah. understand for the life of me why black women sit in his corner and accept that, you know, subordination. Like for me as a black woman, I represent all black women. Perhaps I I may not look like all black women or, or you know, whatever, whatever. I'm a black woman. And for me, I think my job is yes, to serve as an ally for other black women. Yeah. And so, you know, he has, you know, very, very famously, you know, cut off his section for light-skinned wi- or dark-skinned women or women of a certain, you know, size and stature. Who the hell do I look like sitting in Chris Brown's section trying to be all buddy-buddy with him when I know he That's only attracted to a certain kind of Black woman? How come all of Chris Brown's exes and girlfriends look the exact same? That's they all look like tethers. Tell the clones of Literally. each other. How come all football players date the same kind of woman? Like, I oh, kid you not, every single athlete, their wives and girlfriends all look the same. Like, they're all light-skinned girls, tall, skinny frame, with, like, what what hair texture is that? Like, 3B, 3A? Something one. like that. You know, the loose curls they mama makes, or, or their mom is white or something like that. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it's weird. That is a fetish, like, like that is a huge, huge fetish with, with our black men, like in our black community, specifically in the black athlete community. And it's not something that attracts me. Like, like if I know that that's your type, I don't even want to go over there. I don't want to venture into that direction. I like my man over the, like my man and I have sat and had conversations about not just one particular black woman, but all black women. Like I really, really do value his sense of security and his sense of self uh and being able to you know call any and every single black woman beautiful like that that really is important for me um, for me i go ahead okay, go ahead go ahead go ahead i'll go ahead i yeah i feel kind of the same way that she does um i'm not attracted to a man who doesn't love himself Period. and if you're a black man that doesn't love black women you obviously don't love yourself and you don't love your well, mother and your mother, the women that raised you. Um, if you can't find beauty in what you look like, I can't find beauty in you. So that's just, so I don't like insecure men. Um, and if you're not, if you don't find, like, if you don't find what you look like beautiful, you're not secure enough for me. Like now, if you said all types of women are beautiful, you like any type of woman, I accept that. But I, the most attractive conversation I've ever had with a man is where I felt insecure as a fairer women because he was so because we sat there and talked about how beautiful dark skin was 
And I was like, I love how insecure I feel because I like him so much. And I feel like I, like, I felt like my melanin wasn't popping enough for him instead of feeling like growing and growing up when like you are lighter skin, like your dark skin friends feel like that. So I love being in that situation. It was so attractive to me because I want my sisters to be raised up by anybody that I'm with. So I'm not going to waste my time. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm like, I love that. Chilling with your homegirls and like one of your homegirls is a few shades darker than you and y'all see Chris Brown and Chris Brown be like, oh, come here, shorty. And then he'd be like, oh, but not you. Imagine that, bro. Bro, I got to fight. I, I got to throw hands fight. at that point. I'm going to have to fight. I got to throw hands. The crazy part is, though, there are women who gladly accept the invitation. And oh, yeah. That's, that's the sad part for me. And like, really, for me, it's not enough to just uplift a certain kind of Black women. Like, when, when we say, you know, like... Black lives will will matter once all Black lives matter. Like, that's how I feel about Black women. Like, the only time that we can truly elevate Black women, the Black woman, is if we elevate every Black woman. Yep. It's a true Into, like, I joke a lot as an actor, and I say, like, oh, I'm acceptably Black for TV. But it's a joke because I know that's how they're casting me, as the acceptable Black woman. That's Mm. not you in your face and so it's a huge problem and if our black men continue to perpetuate the idea that there's an acceptable form of black woman and she's light-skinned and with wavy hair then what are they doing for us like no well i mean like i said i love black women um like i said i appreciate my mom that's a black woman i appreciate my grandma that's a black woman so of course i appreciate black women because i look you know, what my parents, you know, what my mom did for me, what my grandma did for me, like, those are strong black women. I love strong black women because as a black woman, you have to, you know, you have to endure a lot of stuff. Even as a black, as as black individuals, we have to endure more than the other, you know, non-melanin race, you feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel like obviously we have something we can relate to. I can't really relate, you know, nothing against other people, other races, but it's like, I want to talk to somebody you know, I can relate to you. You feel what I'm saying? Like, we, we come from the same background. Like, I appreciate the same things you appreciate. We got, you know, we got this in common. Like, I love your skin. You love my skin. You know, what's up? Like, we need to appreciate each other. You feel what I'm saying? I, that's, and like I said, I, I'm an advocate for black women. I don't see why you, don't, why people don't love black women. I don't, you know, I, I don't understand it. I don't, you know. So, I you have know, a Dark skin, like, no, no matter the complexion or not, black women, they run the world and they need to be appreciated way more. For sure. Period. Period. Bam. So, so I have a question. I I want to get your opinion on something. So somebody once told me, so one of my professors, he and I were having like a heart to heart about relationships. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, women always think that a way to understanding how a man will love them is by the way that a man loves his mother and he was like you know what like that's actually not true like a man will never love you the way that he loves his mother his mother is his mother she's irreplaceable the true way to see if or the true way to see how a man will love you is in the way that it is if you watch how his father loves his mother and so i was wondering how do you feel about that like do you do you agree i mean 
it's kind of wishy-washy um because i mean you, you know people can be in a situation like hey you know i love my mama more than anybody and you know i can show this same affection that i show my mom to you know my girlfriend but they can be in a situation where growing up their dad their dad may not have been around their dad wasn't you know as loving to the mom but the mom was so loving to the child you know they rolled off on him so like hey you know i got me this woman i want to value her you know right. my dad didn't value my mom as much i want to value my girlfriend more but i mean you got situations like man my dad treated my mama like a straight queen like he told me you know i I saw their relationship, and that's what I want in the future. So, I mean, it, it depends on the individual, and it just depends on, you know, how they take that, what, you know, what they saw growing up, and basically, you know, the proper way how to treat a woman and how they actually apply it. Mm -hmm. And so, then I, I have a question for you, and this is a bit, of, a bit of a stray off of what we've been talking about, but also in the same realm. I, I've noticed that so many black men disrespect Russell Wilson because he does not fit the black mold of masculinity. In fact, he is, is. he's a wonderful man. He is like, and yeah. I, that, I feel like that is the most blatant example of toxic masculinity in, in the way that women should be treated and the way that a child should be treated. Yeah, because I mean, even recently this week, Russell Wilson, like I mean, you can see the difference. The birthday between tweet. What Future said about his child and what Russell Wilson yeah. said about Future's child. It's, right. What, what do you think reverse. about that? It's very reverse. It's like the baby daddy is actually the dad, and yeah, it, it just, it's really it's a reverse relationship. It's weird, but and I feel like they, I feel like so, I it, it hurts me to see so many black men calling him a simp, like. He yeah. treats that woman like a queen, and he's raising Future's child because Future isn't man enough to raise it. Ain't. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, you you know, people can be biased because, like, you know, people listen to Future. Like, I listen, I'm a big Future fan, but overall, like, because I think really, I think it started, you know, when that relationship first started, before they were husband, you know, Sierra and Russell were married. You know, I think, I don't know how quick she bought little, you know, little Future around Russ. But, you know, it was, you know, people always debating, like, you know, when is it uh, he shouldn't be with that boy? You know, that's not his son. It's too early, this and that. But now that's, that's that, that debate, that's out the way because, I mean, they married now. That's that boy's, that yeah. might, that's his dad at this point. You feel what I'm saying? They, first of all, Russell and Sierra, they have, they have a baby of their own and one on the way, correct? Mm -hmm. So they have an entire family. And if you think about it, Future spends majority of his time with Russell. And I mean, people should really be appreciative. Like as a stepfather, that's, you know, people don't really see that type of, or even get that relationship. So first of all, people should be appreciative of that. And secondly, like Future, I love Future to death. Well, you know, I love his music, put it like that. I love his music, but Future, he's a toxic. We talk about, you know, being toxic. Like Future is the, is the king of being toxic. But overall, like, I feel like he should, I feel like he should appreciate Russell. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you may not like what him and Sierra got or, you know, blah, 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 blah. But you can't, you can't, you know, take away the fact that you got somebody that's caring for your son and you're not even there. You feel what I'm saying? Like, you really love your son. You want some, you know, you want her to be with somebody, like, that's actually appreciative of him. Because you got step dads out there. They don't give a damn about their stepchildren. You feel what I'm saying? 
Like, yeah. And I mean, like, there are fathers that don't care about their child at all. Exactly. I mean, future. I, it, <laughs> you about to say you about to say yeah, future. I mean, that's 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 being one hundred though. So like I, I said, but like, I also feel like that comes from a toxic place within black men in particular because they didn't have their fathers. So why should yep. this child be any different? I mean, future got like nine kids. He does, and he's the yeah. father of none of them. But, but but my thing, you have to think about his situation, because, I mean, you got nine kids to cater to. You got to separate your energy. You know, but some people, they have, like, now, that's, like, Boosie, for example. Boosie got a lot of kids, but I'm pretty, I think Boosie love all his kids. Does. Okay, so, actually, now, I I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to agree with his morals and everything, because I know that might be a situation to talk about later. But we can all say he does love his kids. But I mean, you got, but. Speaking of Boosie, um, really quick, because we do need to wrap up soon. Um, and toxic masculinity and homophobia through toxic masculinity in our community and how it affects our sons. Um, Boosie had a lot to say about um, Dwayne Wade's 12-year-old child. And um, do is this is now a good time to share this? Yeah, this could be our yeah. last thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna. Yeah. Be straight up. You gonna be be on the TV. You gonna be be straight up. I gotta say something about this shit, bro. Dwayne Wade, you going too fucking far, dog. That is a male, a twelve year old. And twelve, they don't even know. They don't even know what their next meal gonna be. They don't. Even, they don't have shit figured out yet. He might meet a, a, a woman, anything at sixteen, and fall in love with her. But his dick be gone. How you gonna, like, bro? That's it's, it's, you going too far, dog. Don't cut his dick off, bro. <laughs> like, bro, for real. If he gonna be gay, let him be gay. But don't cut his dick off, bro. Like, don't address him as a woman, dog. He's 12 years old. Oh, he, he's, not, he's not up there yet. He, he hasn't made his final decisions yet. Don't cut his fucking dick off, Dwayne Wade, bro. You fucking tripping, dog. You tripping, dog. You tripping, dog. Right, so that, that's the gist of it. Um, and um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to know why he's thinking about this 12-year-old's penis so much. I thing. think I mean, at no point did they say that we're getting sex change. That was mm -hmm. that was never brought up. Let me just say that. Yeah, exactly. No point. He, he dug a hole for himself with I that. I think one. he confused sexuality and gender identity. So I'm pretty it's, sure he it's did. clear that there needs to be a lot of discourse, yeah. a lot of learned um, information, a lot of education on that. Um, because I think that, um, and running back to, um, sorry, the name is blanking me, but the man, the person in the Oprah interview. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Yeah, Dennis spoke on, um, you know, defining his sexuality, and Oprah was like, but what is it? What is it? You know, like, clearly we as a community are failing each other in supporting understanding who we are, which has a lot to do with the hypersexualization of our children. But that's what i the idea that their sexuality defines them as who they are. It's true. 
it's not, I, like it's it's one of those things where we we kind of over not we but like as a community we tend to over sexualize children like telling a little girl oh there's too many men in the house you need to go change clothes things like that it's very much over sexualizing children allowing children to do certain dances is over sexualizing children but i feel like that's something that can be completely expounded upon so i think we should keep that topic for next up yeah yeah okay well thank you guys for coming thank you for being here thank you for listening waywards and we will catch you guys next week yeah we'll catch you catch you guys next week thank you so much for coming on our show d Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoy myself. I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy y'all. And I'm very appreciative. Very much appreciative. For sure. Tell them about your podcast. So, uh, oh, yeah. I'm about to say, um, I also got my own podcast, Behold in the Morning. Um, I'm about to get a little bit more active, um, more frequent with my episodes. So I'll keep y'all in, you know, I'll let y'all know. But you can find it on um, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I'm also working on a visual so I can add it on YouTube. So I would love to have y'all as guests soon. Definitely. Yes, I'm definitely with it. So yeah, um, I appreciate the support because I'm definitely supporting y'all. I, I appreciate being on here though, for, for real, for real. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. All right, you guys, we will see you later.